Brothers, it's good to be with you today. I was realizing that counting today, counting our lesson today, we only have three more lessons uh, left in our study of Genesis for this year, for this spring semester. And I just want to thank you again for your faithfulness week after week to study God's Word verse by verse, expecting God through His Spirit to speak to us through His Word. And I want to thank you especially for your faithfulness as it's continued when we've had to move everything online as a result of this pandemic. Uh, You have been an encouragement to me. It's encouraged me personally to study God's Word, and it has also been a rich time for me, uh, especially during this pandemic. And I think we're going to see today that once again, God is going to reveal to us the depth and the richness of His Word and how it has application for us right now and what we are going through uh, today. So I invite you, if you haven't done so already, to get your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 30. It was about a week or so ago that Lynn and I had gone over to the Christian Psychological Center to meet with Dr. Brent Stenberg. We do that every so often as kind of a check-in on our marriage, see how we're doing, get some feedback on how we're dealing with each other and and how we're dealing with ourselves. Um, It was especially helpful uh, a week or so ago because of all the things that are going on, all the stress, the worry, the anxiety, that uh, are a result of, of what we're dealing with in these pandemic days, as I call them. And Brent said something to me that was really helpful. He said, Todd, we as human beings, uh, when we face fear or anxiety uh, or worry, there's, some, there's a few things that, that we rely on in order to move past them and move through them. He said one of those things is the ability to plan ahead uh, and Uh, to kind of formulate a direction in which we're going. He said the other thing that we rely on in times of worry or to deal with our worry or anxiety or fear is consistency. And he said, you know, this pandemic has has cost us both of those. Uh, We we can't plan ahead because things keep changing every day. And there is no consistency. All that has been taken from us. And boy, that really resonated with me. <laughs> and I thought to myself, boy, that, that, that relieves me. Like, I, I've been thinking, Todd, you're doing this whole pandemic thing terribly. Uh, and, and, you know, I know you all, you're you, like me. There's so many decisions you're having to, to make right now. And the decision seems really difficult. And you just, you want wisdom. You want direction. And, uh, and, and, and you want to have some kind of plan in your head. Um, And over and over again, I find myself, I know you do too, praying, God, would you please give me wisdom? A friend of mine just said to me a couple of days ago, he said, Todd, you know, wisdom is what we rely on or what we use when we don't know what to do. (laughs) And I said, yes, that's it. I don't know what to do right now. In so many areas, my family life, church life, you know, finances, business, all, and I don't know what to do. There's no, there's no roadmap. Um, but I need wisdom, or and I need wisdom. I need your wisdom, God. And brothers, that's what, that's what we're going to receive uh, today. I think you're going to see in these verses that God has for us His wisdom, not just for all times, which is true, but for this time, for what we're dealing with right now. So follow along with me as I read Genesis chapter 30, beginning in verse 25 and going through verse 43. 
As soon as Rachel had borne Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my home and country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served you, that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, If you have found favor, if I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages, and I will give it. Then Jacob said to him, You yourself know how I have served you, and your livestock has fared with me, and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, What shall I give you? And Jacob responded, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep, every black lamb, and the spotted and speckled among the goats. They shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted as stolen. Laban said, Good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats who were striped and spotted, and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it, every lamb that was black, and put them in charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is, the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when, and since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks, so that the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks towards the striped and all the black in the flock of, the, of Laban. And he put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whenever the younger of the flocks were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock, that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants, male servants, and camels and donkeys. Brothers, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. and We ask that you would speak to us. Lord, these things seem foreign to us and they don't seem relevant. But we know that your word is not foreign and your word is always relevant. And so we trust in you and ask you to speak to us. Do so. Teach us. Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you see in your notes before you that uh, this passage, I've divided up in this passage into, into three, uh, three ways that, that, that uh, Jacob has responded in this particular situation. First and foremost, we see Jacob in verses 25 and 26 trusting in the promises of of God. Jacob says to Laban after Joseph has been born, and that was important. You see, 
uh, prior to Rachel having any children, her only real security in that culture uh, was her father because she hadn't given her husband any, any children, particularly any sons. Now, Jacob probably wouldn't have put her away, but it wouldn't have been appropriate for Jacob to move away at that point, and it would have been risky for Rachel to move away. But now that that's happened, Jacob has responded, and he's gone to Laban, whom he doesn't like. Um, this is a, a father-in-law and a son-in-law situation that is tense, and we know from the chapters we've read before why it's so tense. You have a sneaky Jacob, and you have a very sneaky Laban, and, uh, and Laban has really done a number on Jacob. But Jacob has said, uh, let me go that I may go to my own home. And that's key there. Verse 25, that I may go to my own home. And that's why I say he's trusting in the promises of God, because he's speaking of more than just his family. He's actually referring to the promise that God gave him at Bethel. Turn back with me in your Bibles to chapter 28, and you remember what God said to him as he had that vision of that ladder with the Lord at the top and angels going up and down doing the bidding of God, and, he, and, and, and God saying to him, I'm going to be with you, Jacob, wherever you go. And here's the promise that he gives him, verse 13 of chapter 28, and behold, the Lord stood above it, above the ladder, that is, and said, I am the Lord your God the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring, that land. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. That's the promise that Jacob had received from the Lord. And he has now been given, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the people and the prosperity. He's been given uh, a family, a great family, despite the mess uh, through which they got this family. But God is a God of grace, and re his redeeming work is taking place despite Jacob's sin. And now Jacob is beginning to, to change. And he's relying there or trusting in the promises of God because this is a risk for him. It's a risk for him uh, to go out and go back to his, to his own land uh, to trust God's promise. But he's going to do it. Uh, he's believing what God has said to him at Bethel. And after 14 years of working with Laban, he is going to, to risk by trusting God's promise. You know, so much has been rattled in our lives right now. Um, Brothers, we have, we have faced, we are facing really unprecedented times. And if there is ever a time when we need to lean into the promises of God, it is right now. It is right now that we need to be scouring God's word for His promises. We need to be leaning on them, trusting Him. We need to be trusting God for His peace in our lives. Not peace that comes with financial stability, not peace that comes with, um, with physical health, not peace that comes with even some of the relationships that we miss so badly, but a peace that comes from God Himself. Or as we've talked about before, as I share with you my, my year verses from, from Genesis chapter 32, not Genesis, Psalms chapter 32, 
that God, that, that we would be glad in God, that j- our joy would be in Christ, not just in the things He provides for us, but in Him Himself. And will we trust that? Will I, will I be able to trust that in the presence of God are the pleasures and the joys and the satisfactions that I need? Will I trust in the promises of God? Jacob here is trusting in the promises of God. Well, it goes on in verses 27 through 36, we see Jacob acknowledging the sovereignty of God. Laban is a sneaky character. I mean, if Jacob was sneaky, Laban, you know, takes it up a few notches. In fact, it makes you wonder, is is God teaching Jacob something about his own scheming, crafty sneakiness by putting him in a context where he's going to have to deal with this man, Laban, this father-in-law, who, who operates in just schemes and sneakiness and deception. And so in the midst of this, Jacob is ready to make his move. He's trusting in the promises of God, um, but he's not going to be dishonest. He's, he's ready to move. He's ready to, to, after 14 years of being there in Haran, he's going to move back uh, to the land that God has promised him. But he's not going to be dishonest about the way he gathers uh, wealth uh, or gathers proper wages. He's going to earn it, and he's going to make this deal with Laban. And uh, Laban acknowledges, hey, I, I, I don't follow God because I'm into divination, but there, I know that God's with you. I know that Yahweh is with you. Your God is with you, so name, name your wages. And Jacob offers him this deal uh, that you have to understand, Laban probably thought, Jacob is a fool, I will take this deal. And that's why he takes this deal so quickly. He says, uh, Jacob says, listen, the, uh, the spotted and the speckled um, lambs and goats, so lambs are mostly white, uh, goats are mostly, bla- mostly black. Um, and he's saying, listen, if there's some white on the goats or some black on the lambs, let me have those and you can have the rest. Um, And the reason this was such a good deal for Laban is that the normal wages for someone who took care of your flock for the shepherds was was somewhere between 10 and 20% of the flock you got to keep for yourself. Those were your wages. And you took um, from the milk and the wool that was sold, you took 20% of that as well. Well, speckled and spotted lambs and goats were actually very rare, like less than 10% of the flock. And so basically, Jacob seemed to be asking for a wage that was a fraction of what was the norm back then. And so Laban's like, yes, I'll take it. (laughs) Done deal. You can have the spotted and the speckled uh, for yourself. Um, Of course, uh, Laban, still sneaky, is going to make sure that uh, none of that's confused. And it seems that he takes those two that are speckled and spotted and moves them into another category, so he separates them. Um, and we're not sure, is he just separating them so that, uh, that there's no way that, um, that, uh, that Jacob can breed them? Or is he separating them so that there's no way that they're mixed with the, the flock that is pure? We're not exactly sure. We just know that Laban is, either way, he's doing something sneaky in order to, to limit really what Jacob gets. Um, But notice in the midst of this, notice what Jacob says in regards to 
what has happened so far. It's, you know, it's clear that as a result of Jacob taking care of of Laban's flocks, his his finances, his financial advisor. I mean, those were those were the resources back then. That's what made you wealthy. As a result of of Jacob's management, Laban has become an extremely wealthy man. But look at what Jacob says there in verse 30. When he's speaking to Laban, he says, For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly. And look what he says, And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turn. Jacob acknowledges that it's not Jacob that has done it, but it's God that has done it. The Lord has blessed. Jacob acknowledges the sovereignty of God. He acknowledges that God is the one who's going to do it. That despite all the hardships that Jacob has faced over the last 14 years, that he is beginning to see that God is sovereign. And despite his own sinfulness, Jacob's own sinfulness, despite his father, his father-in-law's sinfulness, that God is sovereign and God is doing a work. That even the abundance and the way things have have turned out for Jacob is a result of what God is doing. He recognizes that unless God builds his house, it doesn't matter. And unless God works this out, it's not going to matter. And of course, that phrase, unless God builds the house, comes from Psalm 127. And Psalm 127 is a, is a psalm that would be great for us to even uh, be meditating on during these days. Remember what it says, Psalm 127, just at the beginning Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives his beloved sleep. He gives those who trust in his promises, who acknowledge his sovereignty, sleep That's what Jacob is doing here. He's acknowledging that God is the one who works. God is the one who he's going to rely on. God is the one who blesses. And so despite what looks like a terrible deal, Jacob is is trusting in God. Now we're going to find out why, why he does that as we look at these last verses. And you'll see in verses 37 through 43 that here we have Jacob acting on the word of God. So he's trusted in the promises of God. He's acknowledged the sovereignty of God. God is the one who's done this. God is the one who's blessed. And now he's acting on the word of God. I know some of you are dying to know what in the world is going on with these spotted sheep. I mean, what, what is this in the sticks, the almond sticks and, and uh, uh, peeling back the bark? Um, what, is th- what is this? Well, it's, uh, it's half myth and half actual science. Um, the myth part is that back in those times there in the, New, in the Old Testament, and really certainly through a lot of ages, uh, it was believed that whatever was, was visually uh, stimulating uh, to, some, to, to animals as they mated uh, would have an effect on their offspring. And, of course, we know that's not true. <laughs> that, doesn't, um, that doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. But uh, that's what was believed back then. And so 
This part's myth. The whole stripping the bark away and creating kind of a, a spotted striped visual there when the sheep and the goats mated, uh, it had no effect. He was just, Jacob was just following the, the myth of his day. But there is science to what he did too. And the science is that he was, uh, he was mating the strong sheep and goats and, and pulling away um, those that were weak. And so as a result of that, of that uh, engineering, um, that flock engineering, which is something that's commonly done now, he was intentionally breeding stronger and stronger animals. Uh, so that's the, that's the science part. But how does Jacob even know to pursue this? How does he even know about, why does he choose the spotted and the striped? I mean, where does that come from? Well, I'm so thankful that you asked. I'm so thankful that God gave us an answer. If you look in chapter 31, uh, and I'm not going to steal George's lesson next week, I just want you to see where Jacob gets this. Look what it says in the next chapter, just a few verses down, beginning at verse 6. He's speaking now to Rachel and Leah as he's getting ready to leave, to flee that area and to go back uh, to Bethel. Uh, He says this, verse 6, You know I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. There it is, the acknowledging the sovereignty of God. Verse 8, If he said... The spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus, God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. Again, he's acknowledging the sovereignty of God. And then look at this, verse 10. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and modded. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob... And I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and modded. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, the God of the promise, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go from this land and return to the land of your kindred. So Jacob knew to pursue this because God had showed it to him. God had told it to him. God had given him a word. Now, of course, we don't have a word from God coming down to us uh, in a dream, uh, though God still speaks that way in many places around uh, the world where the word of God is unavailable. But we have God's word for us right here. We don't have to wait on dreams. We don't have to hope for dreams, we can, we can see what God has to say to us right here. Jacob believed God's word and then he put it into action. He was acting on what God had showed him. And that's an important thing to remember. We believe God's word and then we, and then we, we put it to action. We do something about it. Um, we respond. God has allowed us, even in his sovereignty, to participate Uh, with him in our sanctification. It is God who works in us, but it is also we who work as well, not working for our salvation, not working for God's favor, but working in response to our salvation, working in response to God's grace. We get to participate with the Lord, and he gives us his word, and he calls us uh, to action. 
I know many of you uh, remember hearing the story probably many times because I know pastors love to share it of that guy who was facing a flood and, uh, and his house flooded and the waters came up to, to the level of, of almost his roof and he had to climb up on his roof and he's just praying, Lord, please save me. Don't let the waters overwhelm me. Please save me. And this little rowboat comes by and a neighbor and the neighbor says, hey, I, I'm, I'm here to help you once you get in the boat. And the guy on the roof says, no, 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 I'm praying for God to save me. Uh, and, and he told me he's going to. And the guy says, okay, and he rows away. And then a motorboat comes from, uh, from the police and it comes by and says, hey, sir, uh, we're here, you know, get in the boat. And the guy says, no, 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 uh, thank you very much, but I've been praying for God to save me and he's told me, he's going to save me. I believe God is going to take care of me. And the guy says, okay, and the boat goes off. And then a little bit later, a helicopter comes as this guy's praying, Lord, please save me. Please save me from these waters. And they throw down a ladder and they say, climb up here so the floodwaters don't get you. And the guy says, no, that's okay. Uh, Listen, God, I've been praying to God and he's going to save me. And very perplexed, the helicopter goes away. Well, the floodwaters come up and, and the guy dies and he gets to heaven. And he says, God, why didn't you save me. I prayed to save you, save me. You didn't save me. And God says, man, I, I sent a boat and another boat and a helicopter. Why didn't you get on them? <laughs> See, God's calling us to action. And I don't know where that is in your life, um, but God is giving us wisdom and he's expecting us to act on uh, what he's given us. Um, and so in these times when we're overwhelmed, uh, It's important to remember to lean into God's Word, but then also to act on what we study, what we read. That's why those discussion questions are put uh, for us in Amen in a category of what do we know, um, know, knowing, being, doing. What uh, what do we know? What are we? And what do we need to do about it? Uh, So we don't just read God's Word and go, boy, that was great. Boy, that meant a lot to me. We read God's Word, and then we act on what He has said. That's what Jacob does here. He's received a word from the Lord, and he's going to act on it. Well, brothers, I am praying for you. I I think about you a lot. Um, I've had several of you call me, text me, had conversations with a a lot of different men who are going through a lot of different struggles in so many different areas as a result of all that's going on. These truly are times like no other. And it seems like we don't have a lot of answers and we need wisdom. That's what we got today, brothers. We got God's wisdom. And God's wisdom is calling us to do this in these difficult times calling us to trust in His promises, to know what those promises are and to trust in them. It's calling us to acknowledge God's sovereignty unless He builds the house. The only way out of this, brothers, the only way out of this in our families, in our businesses, in our churches, in our city, in our nation, the only way out of this is God working, God blessing. And then He's given us His word and He's saying, act on this word. We have what we read today. We have the book of Proverbs. We have uh, Jesus' words. Um, There's plenty in there to direct our steps every day, and we need to act.
Isn't it wonderful that in God's grace, we don't wait on dreams and He is not silent. Instead, He's given us His Word and together we can receive from Him what He has for us today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your blessing, particularly through Your Word given to us, through the promises written down in here, and through an understanding of Your sovereignty that we can see even thousands of years ago as we study the patriarchs, and then see that great arc of redemption, that great thread of grace that, that never leaves despite the great sinfulness of, of, of the people in the Old Testament, the people in the New Testament, and of us. Lord, your grace continues. And in this time, Father, we need your wisdom. So give it to us, we pray, and may we act on it. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you, brothers.